So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. You know, uh, I think my grandma used to say, ooh, child. That's how my grandma used to say it. (laughs) And she would, and you know, when she did that, Julie, it was like, oh, it's getting ready to be something. Like, either she mm-hmm. got some juicy, juicy tea, or she about to deliver the business Bahamian style to somebody. So when she says, <laughs> ooh, child, like, literally, you you would want to, let me tell you, the worst ass whooping I ever got in my life came at the hands of my grandmother. Let, let me tell you what the kid was doing, Julie. The kid was out, uh, and this is South Florida. We talking... You know, and anybody who knows the grass in Florida, it's a little bit more coarse. It's just different. The It's not dirt. It's sand. Um, it, it's just a different experience. So across the street from my grandmother, we used to have like what you would call a corner store. Look, I'm not going to give you all the details. Point is, I took uh, rubber bands and I would... I would wrap rubber bands and a quarter around a uh, now later, or I would wrap a rubber band and a dollar around a now later, throw them up okay. in the air. Kids were scrambling in the concrete and the grass and everything, trying to get the money and the candy. Well, one person got hurt and they went home and told their parents that, you know, that torn is around the corner and somebody pushed me and they scraped up my knee. Da, 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 da. Man, they called my grandmother, and my grandmother said, oh, you're trying to be a big shot. She said, let me show you what happened to big shots. She said, because where did you get the money from? And so then I had to tell her where I got the $20 bill from. That was the problem. You see, that, that's the part of the story that's the problem. Now you got to reveal where you got the money from. Because I may have been like 9 or 10 years old. I'm the big shot. I'm, I'm out this joint giving away money on the street. You know, I'm I'm making it rain on the street. My grandma was like, "Yep, we gonna tear that ass right on up." So, 
So she she hit me with the ooh child, and I was like, damn, it ain't for nobody else but me. It's getting ready to be a problem. <laughs> it's getting ready to be a problem. Oh my goodness. But speaking of big shots, Mackenzie Scott is out here dropping dollars. And we know where her money shot. came from. You understand? Oh, yes, we do. We know where her how you feel about that? Like, you know, just let's pretend like Chad ain't listening. How do you feel about her receiving whatever percentage it was of the riches? Before we even tell people what she's done, how do you feel about that? Uh, I go back and forth. I mean, I've always worked. So thinking about splitting my money with someone is um, not desirable. Uh But when you build a business like this with someone and... And then you part ways, you would part ways just like you would part with any other business partner. And she was there from the beginning. So I'm not going to fault her. And in fact, she's obviously a hell of a lot more generous than uh, her ex-husband is. Well, let me say in a medium post earlier this week, uh, she announced that she's given away. She has given away four point two billion dollars in the last four months. And that's in addition to an uh, another $1.7 billion in gifts that she gave away since July. Like I believe this year she's close to $6 billion in giving it away. And really what's amazing about this story is that she's not trying to wait. You know, she's not trying to set up some foundation philanthropic effort where children's children are giving away the money. Not that that's not going to happen. Because she's made what twenty something billion dollars billion. since the pandemic set in, but it, I think it's just amazing how she has said, "You know what? I am going to give away as much as I possibly can, as fast as I possibly can." Uh, and what what really touched me was her statement. Uh, and inside of her medium post, she says, "Quote: This pandemic." has been a wrecking ball in the lives of Americans already struggling. Love when a person is philanthropic and willing to give. Hats off, Mackenzie Scott. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm I'm looking for them right now in this big list, but I know that two of her donations this time will double the endowment size of two HBCUs. Yeah, she is- gave like $40 million to Morgan State University. Yep, and then some Texas something. Was it Texas Southern or Texas or Rice? Uh, I think it must have been Southern because it definitely wasn't Rice. It wasn't Rice. Uh, I'm just pushing through uh, to see if I can see it, if they included it in their press release. Um, okay, I didn't see it. But, yeah, it's inside of the article. And actually, for those of you who uh, might find the Medium article, uh, she gave this past time to like 382 different, 384 different organizations, 384 social justice, uh, food challenges, um, po- policing reform. I, I mean, she, 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 she was all over the place, but it's beautiful, man. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about people should pay their taxes and certainly businesses should pay their taxes. I don't see any person who should be worth like 
a trillion dollars. Um, that that's shows how out of whack our system is. But I think that she is the rare exception to the rule that is doing this because she understands how screwed up the system is. And it's not just kind of that sleight of hand where we throw a million dollars here, a million dollars there to get you off our back so we can go get richer. So yeah, definitely kudos to her. Uh, She had an amazing amount of people helping her pick these organizations. I would love to know how she made those decisions because we would love to hit her up from from our parent company next time. But uh, yeah, incredible, incredible amount of giving on her ha- on her behalf. Well, you know, I'm sure you probably have. Well, I don't want to speak for the organization, but I'm sure because I didn't even know it was a team of people helping her to give. I mean, I could assume that that it was, but just the mere fact that you are saying she had a cadre of individuals helping. Uh, I'm 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 confident that a name or two has an email address attached to it, and you all should absolutely go after that. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. So, very good. cool. So another so when, uh, piece of good news. Can we can we do that good news uh, on Pinterest? Oh yeah, actually, that's what I was going to ask you about because you you mentioned it to me the other day, and I haven't had a chance to catch up on it. Yeah, yeah. So Pinterest actually settled a gender discrimination lawsuit that was brought um, by the former COO, her name is Francois Brower, and she, she lodged the lawsuit back in August. Uh, and here's what's amazing to me, just for those of you who, who may not remember this story, when Francois joined the organization, uh, I wanna say that, or, or when she was installed as the COO, don't quote me, I want to say that they were doing somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. And when she was wrongfully terminated in August, uh, Pinterest was over a billion dollars in revenue. So as with anybody else who's in position, whether it is the president of the United States and they're wanting to take credit for low gas prices and or not wanting to take, you know, it, it kind of follows suit. People tend to be uh, align with, or they tend to to carry the pluses and the minuses of their presence, whatever happens in the organization. So I think yep. it's fair for someone to say that she had a hand in growing the organization to where it is today. And yes. we can say today because, I mean, August was just, what, three months ago? So yep. nonetheless, uh, Pinterest settled the lawsuit. She had brought uh, in, or she had drafted in such that she was paid less than her male colleagues, uh, left out of important meetings, and given gendered feedback. There were other things that go along with it, but the bottom line is it's a $22 million uh, settlement, and we love that. I absolutely love that she was able to take $22 million for her departure. The, the bad side of that is that there were two Black women that were public policy officials inside of Pinterest, and they left earlier this year, late last year. And unfortunately, they walked away with less than a year's worth of severance. I'm happy for Francois, just disappointed that these two beautiful sisters who by all accounts were intelligent, were contributory, they excelled in the work that they did, had such a terrible experience, and then had an even 
uh, less than uh, equitable departure from the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. I don't know at what level the the two ladies in the public policy area were at, but they're certainly, it's much harder if you are not already a millionaire to take the time and expense to file and go through a discrimination lawsuit. It's people like Francois that can afford that they have that privilege to do that. You know, if I got fired today for the wrong reason, I certainly wouldn't have enough money to not look at a settlement and go, okay, I'll take the severance. Let's go. Um, And so there is a disparity that we can see there. And, And the other thing, and I don't know anything about Pinterest other than I find recipes there sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, but it is really a female-focused company. And to to think that as they, again, productize women users, that they are treating their female employees who certainly help to drive and grow the business because they are the face of the customer and the product. Um, that that men are treating them this way. Yeah, it, it it really is. And you raise a very good point. You know, the privilege of being able to hold out, the privilege of being able to afford um, you know, quality representation. I actually had the attorney of Francois uh Brower on my Sirius XM show uh back in, in August. He was incredible. Um an incredible individual, very committed individual, and was happy, honored that he you know, said that he would spend a few moments with me and and and, and um, you know, indulge, or shall I say, instruct our audience as to to what was going on. But it says a lot when you cannot afford representation. And you know, we're talking about some big, big numbers here, twenty-two million dollars. But when you say it the way that you said it, you know, it just reminds me to stay grounded and think about uh, the young man that's down the street, twenty minutes away from me, in the middle of the city, who may have some interaction at a workplace and cannot in any way take care of himself and you know just continuously relegated to making decisions because those decisions are predicated on his lack of privilege if you will her yep. lack of privilege their lack of privilege so i appreciate you putting it in perspective bad news for the ladies but hopefully they are on to new careers at this particular point and then finally best buy commits 44 million dollars to diverse hiring and community engagement. Um, Listen, I'm gonna try not to throw a side eye because we're gonna have a really easy show. Um, But this is by 2025. By 2025, they they are on a, a path towards filling one out of three new non hourly corporate positions with candidates who are black, indigenous, and people of color. That's their goal. One out of three corporate positions yep. by 2025. We're in what year? What is this? 2020? Oh Lord, it's still 2020. Yeah. So I guess my, I love the announcement, but I'm like, my side eye is like, it's going to take y'all five years to figure this thing out. Well, and I think you make a really good point is like you, you caught a word I didn't catch when I was first reading about this is new 
non-hourly corporate positions. Like one in three is aggressive. It's, you know, it's roughly equal to the population that's white that versus what's not white in ratio terms. Um, but it, it shouldn't take you to 2025 to start making a pretty big dent in that hourly or in those new positions. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, okay, well, you put it out there. So when a position comes open in 2021, let's get to it. You know, that's, that's the way that I see it. It's like, let's get to it. And so I'm sure that there's more to it. I just don't know what the more is. And because I don't know what the more is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to, you know, throw up the confetti and, uh, you know, go about the pomp and circumstance. I'm just like, it shouldn't take five years for, you know, Best Buy is not that large of an organization. You know, we're not talking right. about, you know, uh, uh, you know, 50,000 corporate people. We're talking about probably less than 3,000 corporate roles. That, that's what we're talking about. So, I, and quite frankly, I mean, how many corporate roles are going to come open? So I'm just like, it's going to take you five years? So anyway, 44 million is committed. They're doing something. We'll keep our eye on it. We appreciate it. Let's get into this week's show. All right. So this has been a good week for this uh, Hoosier girl here, or Hoosier woman, I guess like, I am you now. You can't see me, you know, but I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm like, oh, yeah, we get ready to talk about something. Yeah, we're, we, it's a good week. So first, um, I, I think I know or I've mentioned that Chad and I are big fans of Pete and Chastin Buttigieg, um, Pete Buttigieg, who ran for the Democratic nomination for president. Um, is from South Bend, Indiana. He was the mayor and he was the first um, openly gay candidate to be a potential nominee for the DNC. Um, and today, or this week, Joe Biden uh, nominated him to be Secretary of Transportation. And when he is confirmed, he will not only be the youngest and the first millennial cabinet member of his generation, but he will be the first openly gay cabinet member in American history. So congratulations, Pete. Uh, I absolutely think that that is a beautiful thing. I'm actually pulling up Twitter real quick because I want to say something, but I don't want it to be wrong. So let me tell you. Let me tell you, yesterday when the announcement was made, um, almost immediately he started getting backlash. Yeah. And so I guess my question is, I don't live in South Bend. I don't know uh, anything, honestly, about Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg say it for me. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Boot, that's it. Like if you say boot edge edge, boot edge edge. Boot edge. Boot, boot edge edge. Got it. Um, seems to be a well-grounded individual, um, you know, from the stump speeches that I caught during the, you know, the um, that whole cycle. But yesterday he got lit up on Twitter immediately because black folks from, you know, the South Bend area said that he has not been um, favorable to 
to many of the organizations, particularly those that are looking for social justice. He's got a sketchy record as it relates to policing. And some even say that his, um, I'll say doling out money or maybe Mm -hmm. allocating, that's probably a better word, allocating funds um, was a little sketchy. They just said that he wasn't, they, he wasn't a good fan to black people in South Bend. What do you think? Yeah, I think. I mean, not that you are speaking like you, you, you know, you, you, you didn't well, wake up black this morning in this recording. I, but I did not. I, I did not. But you're there. Um, What's your observation? Yeah. So I think that um, during his first term as mayor in South Bend, he came in with a really aggressive revitalization plan. And some of that revitalization also included condemn, condemning housing. Um, and sometimes that housing that was not inhabitable was in a majority Black areas. And that caused some issues mm-hmm. um, that I don't know that he handled perfectly. And then he stood by the the police chief at first um, during a police police action incident um, with a a black individual black resident of of South Bend um, but ultimately at least in my my recollection um, ended up terminating that police chief and attempting to grow in that area so he's not he's not perfect. Um, he, he is more moderate. I will say that he's a veteran. Uh, he's a Rhodes scholar. He's very extremely, very extremely, uh, he, he's very well educated. And I think some of those things rub progressives and, and I, I count myself as, as a progressive, but this his, some of his centrist beliefs um, get a lot of pushback from progressives. And while I feel as still being a white person, um, all day, in fact, that, um, he's doing the things that he's supposed to do to move past that and has done a lot of work already to move past that. A lot of the progressives kind of keep that cycle of engagement and bashing up, um, and I, th- I think it's in poor form and you won't hear me say that very often, um, to come to the defense of any white person. Um, but in this case, I think that hand is a bit overplayed. Someone could certainly prove me wrong, but that's my two cents. And your two cents is, uh, well, listen, I don't live in South Bend. So, you, you know, you talk to me about Baltimore, got you. Uh, so I wanted to get your opinion and get your observation and I appreciate you being, you know, honest and transparent as, as you see it. I appreciate that. So, uh, first openly gay cabinet member. Amazing. Pretty amazing. amazing. Like, you know, I think about, you know, what was it a couple of weeks ago? I think the uh, NFL had their first all black referee squad. You remember that? Yeah, and, and I guess you know a portion of me says, "Sure, we're going to continue to have first. but some of these firsts, when I hear them, I'm like, "Really?" Right. 
Like really, like really. And 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 again, the operative word is openly. So I get it. That doesn't suggest in any way that we haven't had any gay or lesbian uh cabinet members in the past. I can certainly um speculate on a few. But wow, openly gay yeah. meaning comfortable. Uh, meaning I, I married. Want, say it again. Said it, and also meaning married. He's been married for four years, I think, maybe three or four years. Yeah. Um, and actually came out during his first term as mayor when he was running for re-election. Like he he pinned an op-ed and said, "Hey, I'm gay," and and then is now married to his husband Chaston. Um, so so in the truest sense of the word openly right fully embraced um what his possibilities are in in this country and for the parents of a gay child it's it's just wonderful to see that normalcy and that sort of things that you and I as heterosexuals take for granted in in the normalcy of married life and 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 that piece he gets to to show that to my son and and he gets to show that to the world and i think that's really exciting and i agree with you one thousand percent it's something that should be seen i can appreciate that um so yeah i'm happy for him honestly i am and you know just to go back to one quick point before we move to your uh next contribution i don't want him to be perfect i'm not looking for that you know um no matter who we're talking about i mean i've listened to a number of podcasts over the last month or so, and they've been uber critical of former President Barack Obama. And when I say uber critical, uber critical. So I don't expect individuals, I've even been critical of some of the things that he did when he was in office. And so, no, I don't expect Pete Buttigieg to, to be perfect, but thank you again for your observation. Happy for him and Go in there and do some work. I'm sure you got a lot of cleaning up to do. Yeah, it's a again as a Democrats, it's also a really great landing spot for him because he can make tangible impact. And at 38, he he has probably one or two more runs for president in him, um, and and infrastructure makes everyone happy, right? Everyone wants nice roads and good rail systems and all of those things. So it's a really, it's an, it's not always the most high profile cabinet position, but for him, it is like that perfect area of growth to get a lot of really good stuff done that'll going to benefit a lot of people and, and build his resume. So congrats to, to Pete and Chaston and look forward to seeing them in DC. Um, so second story. Another Indiana story. So in 2015, um, a gay married couple from Lafayette, Indiana, which is where Purdue University is um, located, um, gave birth and the county official would not list both of the female parents on the birth certificate of their son. And so they sued over the course of the next several years. This has been back and forth. But finally, um, 
the the Seventh Circuit in Chicago said it's discriminatory to not allow both women who are in a legal marriage to be listed as parents, and that in listing them, it would prevent future discrimination in parenting access and decisions and all of those kind of things. So great. Um, And then in Indiana, we have just only profanity I've used in the podcast today, a complete jackass as our attorney general, who he will probably end up in jail. Like he's, he's just not just because I disagree with him, but because he is criminally negligent a lot of the time. Mm. Um, Curtis Hill. And he petitioned the Supreme court in January to say that a husband is presumed to be a child's biological father so that spouses if they're the same sex um both parents can't be listed and the child is deemed born out of wedlock and it it just kind of this again jackassery whoa, 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 of whoa, whoa, an whoa, argument whoa, whoa, hold on hold on hold on right hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait a minute so what i just heard you say was two men Wait a minute. Run that back real quick. Give me the synthesized version <laughs> of what you just said. Because I don't want to okay. I don't want this to be I don't want to say it the wrong way, but I want to make sure people caught what you just said. Yeah. So he says that basically if a man isn't listed because a man has to be a child's biological father, that whoever's listed as the parents, if there's no man and woman, because the mother has to give birth, right? Um, then the child is is basically deemed a bastard, born out of wedlock. Got and, it. So, and the reason why I'm yep. jumping in there, so the re- here's here's why I'm jumping in, Julie. So this really impacts, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it impacts in artificial insemination. It impacts uh, sperm donor births. Yep. Am, am I correct? Correct. Okay, got That's it. Absolutely it correct. has nothing to do with adoption or any of those things. So it really is nope. around, this really is an attack on women and their choice of being a lesbian because they're the only ones that can have a baby. So that's really what it's about. It has nothing to do with the men. Yet again, we have men policing women's bodies. Right. Go ahead. Um, and so he petitioned the Supreme Court and said, we would like you to hear this um, case because we think that the lower court's decision, and I'm quoting here, would violate common sense and throw into jeopardy parental rights based on biology. I didn't know there was a law of common sense because a lot of your asses would be in jail if that was the case. Yeah, this is, that's what I'm saying. This is where I feel like, you know, um, the, the, the God above, you know, he, there's a whole lot of things that I didn't get blessed with. And, you know, being able to tell a joke on the fly is one of them. And this is where I would have like, this right here is a a stand up comedy routine. Mm -hmm. That right there is like someone will, someone is going to get this story and have a field day in comedy clubs all across the country, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. Trust me, they'll do it from Indiana stuff all day. All day. So 
the good news, and you know that I've I've said this over the last few months, is um, I am worried about the the fidelity of gay marriage um, and that being upheld by the Supreme Court in a lot of ways. So the good news is that the court declined to hear this case. So in essence, that means that the court is fine and upholds the lower court's ruling. So at this point, um, women who are married to each other and have a child, um, both parents will be listed on the birth certificate and there will be no male figure required for that birth certificate. And all of the lovely obligations and rights that come along with that parenting duty. There we go. And when is your term up? Um, two years. Okay. You guys got a little more time to deal with them. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, appreciate that. I'm glad that at least the folks sitting on the bench had a bit of common sense. My favorite five episodes. So instead of having okay. a story, I wanted to kind of end the year. You know, this is our, our time to maybe relax a little bit. And the truth of the matter is that we've talked about a lot of stuff this year on Crazy and the King. You know, we've talked about cocaine. We've talked about nooses. We've talked about COVID, of course. We've covered stories uh, around equal pay, companies doing more as it relates to social injustice. We've even covered a few lawsuits like the one we mentioned at the top of the show. But there are a few episodes for me that stood out as favorites, Julie. And let me just list a couple of them. Episode 16. Okay. We recorded that one on May 27th or something like that. We'll probably put these up. But in that particular episode, we actually talked about something considered or categorized as white space. And it was framed around, or certainly a part of that example, was the Amy Cooper story, the bird watching story in New York City. You remember that? Yeah, because you actually taught me what white space was. Absolutely. Like that was a new term for me. Yep. Absolutely. And the reason why it was one of my favorite episodes, not so much so because of the white space, but because the other shoe would drop like a day after that recording. And it never mm -hmm. fails for us. Whenever we record, there's always something that happens after the episode is released. And in that case, it was George Floyd. So we talked about white space and Amy Cooper and bird watching and, you know, weaponizing the police against that black man in Central Park. And then George Floyd loses his life within 18 to 24 hours of our uh, you know, releasing that episode. So episode 16 from May was good for me. Uh, episode 10, that one was back in April. We discussed mm -hmm. Crip Camp documentary. Um, and that is when, you know, uh, I got introduced to Judith, Judy Hume. Man, let me tell you, she is incredible. You know, fingers crossed that we can bring her uh, on the show. So tentatively, she has agreed to join us in Q1. We're just right. working on schedules right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then in that episode, we also talked about the loss of Chris Fields. Uh, my third favorite episode of the year uh, was in July. And we talked about those guys, <laughs> the, the clowns over at Unwoke HR. We still don't know who, that, that, who they are. But the reason why I like that 
is because you went, I mean, it was like full artillery. The vocals in that episode, the 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 venom that I I heard from you was like as strong as it's ever been. There was something about that unwoke HR episode, their presence that really, really, really got up under your skin. And in addition to that, compounding it, Tucker Carlson and his uh, shenanigans. Um, and then on a good note, we ended with Joanne Reed and Jason Side and two incredible people. One I've never met before. The other one I've digitally met. But yeah, that was an episode where you, if anyone's listening, you find episode 22, Julie Gate, Unwoke HR, The Business. Yep. Still waiting on you guys to come on the show. She did. Yeah, we still waiting. I mean, you know, now that yep. you are not doing Unwoke HR, you might have a little bit of time on your yep. hands. And then finally, um, my final two favorite episodes of the year are yet to have been dropped. And they are the ones that I want listeners to tune into next week and the week after that. So, yes, we are on vacation. We will be on vacation. We're done recording for 2020. But we made sure to end the year with two incredible episodes. And so I just really ask that you all find some time to, um, you know, make sure you update. If you're subscribing to Crazy and the King, you'll get the announcement or the notification when we drop the new episode next week. That's going to be Kay Fabella. She's over in Spain. And then the week after that, we're going to rock with Jackie Glenn, who lives up in the Northeast. Two powerful conversations. Yeah, absolutely. These, and I couldn't agree more. These two were just fire and they're definitely going to make my top five list. Like there's just no way around it. No way whatsoever. So listen, we are in holiday season. In case you are looking for some last minute gifts, I want to just support a couple of my friends here uh, locally in Baltimore. Uh, Real quick, Jinji Chocolate, J-I-N-J-I Chocolate. You can find her on Instagram at Genji Chocolate Neopole Smokery. I absolutely love Neopole. And that's N-E-O-P-O-L Smokery. Neopole Smokery. Been supporting them for close to 20 years. I think I'm at year number 18 supporting this uh, mother and son duo. Uh, and then last but not least, my dear friend uh, Ezra over at Kane Collective. Um, just a fun fact, Julie, Ezra was my server at a place called Macaroni Grill in 1999. And because he was such an incredible server, we maintained a relationship. Now, he's far removed from being a server at Macaroni Grill. But it just shows you when I say that I care about humans, when I care about relationships, I'm showing you I absolutely care. This guy was my waiter at a restaurant and we struck up a friendship. Now he has a Cane Collective, which is a drink mix uh, option. And you can find them on Instagram at Cane, C-A-N-E underscore collective, Cane underscore collective. Support him if you need some last minute gifts. Or if you just want some good stuff in 2021. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a name drop this week. Um, So just super quick story. So my name drop is TZ Medical, a medical supply company out of Portland, Oregon. 
And as many of you know, my oldest is going into her third, well, she's halfway through, I guess, her third year of university, and she's starting to apply for internships. And she applied for an internship at TZ Medical, and they declined her. But immediately after sending that out, they linked to her on her LinkedIn and said, we absolutely love your resume. We definitely want you to stay connected and apply as soon as you graduate. Uh, That's the kind of experience that everyone deserves to have. So thank you, TZ Medical, for um, showing Kennedy that it's okay to not win everyone and that networking is important and trying is important. And if you need an intern, I've got a resume for you. Absolutely. And my name drop is to each and every listener out there that has been supportive of Julie and I uh, throughout this year, whether you are a from the very beginning listener to one where this is your very first episode because someone shared it with you. My name drop goes to each and every one of you because it's the reason why we do this work. Sure, we ask you to, to share the pod with your friends. We want to grow our listenership. We want to, to, grow, to grow our subscribership. We want to get to that magical number of 100,000 episode downloads. We want all of those things, but we want more to keep you informed. That's what we want. And so we appreciate each and every one of you for being with us, for rocking with us in 2020. It was a tough year, but we made it. And the fact that we made it is something that we are going to celebrate. And in the words of Ellen McGirt, she runs the Race Ahead newsletter from Fortune. Ellen says, my best advice is to do as much of your looking and listening as close to home as possible. Do that one soul at a time. I remind each and every one of you to find your voice in the workplace and to be a better human. Have an awesome rest of the week. For now, Julie and I are those. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.